0: Well, we have been thinking these last few weeks about some of Jesus' appearances after the resurrection. Um, This week, as I was working with our lesson for this morning, the thing that occurred to me was the way that Jesus identifies himself to his friends. It's hardly what I would expect. Look at my hands, he says to those frightened, doubting disciples. They're shaking in their sandals. They're wondering together if they're having some kind of group hallucination. When he offers them four sure proofs that he is who they think he is. Two hands, two feet, ten fingers and toes which could belong to no one else but him. It's the wounds, of course, that he wants them to see. But don't you think it's a peculiar way to identify himself? Why doesn't he say, um, just listen to my voice? Or look into my eyes? Could you identify someone just by their hands and their feet alone? I mean, can't you see it? FBI posters in the post office with fingerprints instead of mug shots? Suspect always walks with duck feet. Or suspect always wears orthopedic insteps, even in his slippers. Hands and feet are simply not the first thing that we notice about someone else. And yet they are so telling about who we are. When my father died years ago, I remember that the minister in our home church uh, gave the whole meditation at his funeral without ever mentioning my father's name. But everyone in the congregation knew exactly who he was talking about. He talked about my father's Hands. He had big hands. My father was a a professional goalkeeper for the Irish World Cup team years ago. And so the minister talked about hands diving across the goal uh, to save a shot. He talked about those same big hands wrestling with his little son on the couch in our apartment in New York. He talked about hands reaching out for too many Manhattans at business luncheons, and later in his life, pushing that drink away and becoming healthy again. He talked about scabbed hands, because my father didn't know how to start any house project without cutting himself first, uh, a trait that has been passed on genetically, I'm afraid. He talked about hands lighting an unfiltered Pall Mall, the same cigarettes that would eventually kill him. He talked about hands greeting at the front door of the church. He talked about the hands of an elder passing a communion tray. Hands, they say so much about who we are. Our feet could tell similar stories, I assume, but they are a little more private somehow. My mother had terrible feet Um and yet she had an obsession with shoes. She was sort of the Imelda Marcos of the Bronx. I remember she used to wear one pair of comfortable sneakers to get to church, and then she would put on the heels to go in the door. Maybe it's because we are always wearing shoes in public that our our feet just seem more private. Last week, I remarked to someone that most of us have really no idea what each other's feet look like. Only she begged to differ. She said that when she was growing up, her mother never mastered the art of photography. And so all the pictures that are taken with her and her brothers and sisters, it's always from the waist down. So when the pictures would come back from the drugstore, they always tried to identify each other by their feet. Maybe if we all had uh, wore sandals, like our biblical ancestors did, um, we would know about more, more about what is hidden under our shoes. In the meantime, it can still be a tricky thing to get people to attend a Maundy Thursday foot-washing service. Uh, and I'm convinced that most Presbyterians, at least, always wash their feet before they come, if not go for a pedicure. I won't mention any names here. As it is, we seem to know a lot more about each other by our hands. I could probably identify some of you uh, by your hands. I shake a lot of them, or at least I used to. And I have put a little morsel of bread in many a hand as well. I'm not sure which ones I like more, really. The worn, torn ones that I shake at the back of the sanctuary or the little ones that come running into the sanctuary at the beginning of the service high-fiving me. What I like about hands is the way they simply do not lie. We can usually exercise some control over our faces so that they look the way that we want them to look or when it comes to a poker game, that they say nothing at all. But our hands, more often than not, give us away. Nervous hands, picking at a little piece of skin, or clenched fists. You would be amazed how often, in a premarital counseling session, as we begin to plan the wedding service, someone remarks about their sweaty palms or I think about soiled hands. Is it an accident that the first thing Pontius Pilate did after refusing to become part of the solution and thereby becoming part of the problem in condemning Jesus, the first thing that he does is to wash his hands of the whole thing. I love those Sherlock Holmes stories. You remember where some unsuspecting soul is introduced to Holmes for the very first time, spends all of five minutes in his presence, and then as he is leaving the room, the great detective turns to Watson and tells him everything about this visitor, his profession, his hobbies, his social status, and all based on a handshake number of years ago now, uh, a good friend of mine lost his father very suddenly to a heart attack. He was not able to get to the hospital in time, so there was no chance to say goodbye or to say, I love you. Um, Some of you have had a similar experience under our current conditions. The first chance that my friend got to see his father was actually at the funeral home. He walked in the room, went right over to the casket, and took his father's hands in his, these big, competent paws, hands that could fix almost anything. They were strong enough to build a porch swing. They were gentle enough to cradle a grandchild. His father had been an auto mechanic, who took great pride in distinguishing himself from what he called the shade tree mechanics, these backyard amateurs who covered themselves with grease and were always leaving spare parts here, there, and everywhere. He was a garage mechanic, he said, who plied his trade as carefully as a surgeon. He kept a clean shop. And before he went home, Every night, he scrubbed his hands with a bristle brush, just washing away the grime of the day. But as careful as he was, his hands stayed stained in certain places. And that's what my friend was looking for as he went to the coffin, turning his father's big hands over in his own he could see the motor oil under his fingertips, the calluses dark with years of having hauled engines in and out. It's him, he said. They tried to clean him up, but they couldn't. It's really him. Look at my hands. Look at my feet, Jesus said. And when they did, They saw everything that he had ever been to them. They saw the hands that had broken bread and blessed the broiled fish. They saw the hands that had pressed mud into the eye sockets of a blind man and taken a dead girl by the hand so that she rose up and walked They saw the hands that danced as he taught, the same hands that reached out to touch a leper without ever pausing or holding back. And his feet, the same ones that had carried him hundreds of miles, taking the good news to anyone who would listen to it, into the homes of criminals and corporate bureaucrats, whom he treated as lost kin. Looking at those feet, they remembered that vulgar woman who had wet them with her tears and who had dried them with her hair. They remembered Mary sitting at those feet as he taught them, and and he protected her from her sister Martha, who was railing against her for not helping out in the kitchen. They were wounded Now, those hands and those feet, the hands that had joined them to people, the feet that had joined him to the earth, they had holes in them, sore, angry bruises that hurt just to look at. And yet it was so important that they look because they had not seen them before. Earlier, you will remember, when they had figured out what was going to happen to those beloved hands and feet, they had fled, hiding themselves away so that they wouldn't have to see the bleeding or hear the pounding of the hammers. Look, he said to them afterwards when the danger was past. You can look at them now on this side of Easter He wanted them to know that he had passed through the danger, not around it. He had walked through the valley of the shadow of death. He showed them his hands and his feet which would tell them the truth about what had happened to to him and which would remind them that there is no Easter without Good Friday. Some of them Some of us, I suspect, wish that he had come back all cleaned up, but he didn't. He left us something to recognize him by, hands and feet, just like ours, or almost like ours. We know what his said about him. What do ours say about us? Where have they been? Who have they touched? How have they served? I think of hands wielding a hammer or a paintbrush at a rebuilding Oakland County, for example, as we help to renovate a home for one of our nearby neighbors. I think of hands writing notes to other members of the congregation offering a word of encouragement or maybe congratulations. I think of hands gliding across a keyboard in worship or strumming on a guitar. I think of hands preparing a meal for SOS or a lunch at Crossroads or perhaps a dinner for a Wednesday night world program or a dessert at coffee hour. I think of hands uh, preparing a lesson plan for a Wednesday afternoon whirl, or picking up uh, a Bible for an adult study, or maybe picking up the phone to just call someone and say, how are you? I, I miss you. Under other circumstances, it would be our feet this very day that would be telling the story. Under other circumstances, today would be the day for our annual crop walk. And the soreness in our feet would remind us of the pain of so many around the world. Some of you, I am sure, are familiar with the story from World War II um, about a church building in Strasbourg, France, that was destroyed by the bombings. After the bombing had ceased, the members of that church went to look over the damage, which was quite substantial. But they were pleased to discover a statue of Jesus with outstretched hands that was still standing. It had been sculpted centuries earlier by a wonderful artist. The people discovered, however, that both of the hands of Jesus had been sheared off by a falling beam. Later, another sculptor in town offered to replace those broken hands as a gift to the church. The church leaders met to consider that offer, but after giving it considerable thought, they decided not to accept it. They felt that without the hands, the statue would be a great message to everyone that the work of Jesus is done through his people. I remember years ago hearing that story for the very first time and being so taken by it. But being me, I, of course, had to go and do some research, and I discovered that this was only one version of that story that was told all around the world. There was another story about a church in England that had been bombed during World War II. There was a similar story about a cathedral in Germany. There was a third about a village in Africa. Further research uh, claimed that the story had actually originated in a Catholic church in San Diego in the 1980s. The hands had been sheared off, not by a bombing, but by vandals. Instead of repairing the hands, the church decided to put a plaque at the base of the, of the statue that states, I have no hands but yours. A reference to the poem of St. Teresa of Avila that begins, Christ has no body now on earth but yours. No hands but yours. No feet but yours. You are witnesses of these things, he told them before leaving this earth for the last time, entrusting the whole world into their hands. When that world looks around for the risen Jesus, when they want to know more about this good news that he is all about, it's us that they look at, not our pretty faces, not our eloquent pronouncements, our hands, our feet. Where have they been? Who have they been with? Where are they going? We are witnesses to these things. We still are. We are the hands, the feet. We are the body of Christ today. Amen.